0: Welcome to the Economy of Wellbeing podcast. I'm your host, Mark Anielski. Today, my special guest is Dr. Brian Fleck. Brian Fleck is a mechanical engineer, professor at the University of Alberta in mechanical engineering, and was department chair of mechanical engineering for some time. I've had the pleasure of lecturing in his class to his students on well-being and sustainability, and the subject today of resilience. Brian's research is an energy and fluid dynamics he's been an active board member in many organizations has been involved in politics is an entrepreneur and an active outdoor enthusiast Brian and I talked today about the subject of resilience both resilience from his own deep experience and family tragedy but also from a larger systemic perspective resilience is important It's the very essence of how natural systems operate. Forests, I'm a forester, operate on the basis of homeostasis, of resilience. And the thing that we explore today is what is the future of our economies, if not founded on the notion of resilience. We have learned, I think, through this COVID pandemic, the importance of relationships and trust, which actually are the the essence of our own collective resilience relationships are the essence of happiness as science has shown i hope you enjoy this conversation with brian fleck and thanks again for listening and being such a great supportive listening audience welcome brian fleck dr brian fleck to the economy well-being podcast uh, nice to have you on the show today and you and i have known each other for some time you're you're a mechanical engineer i think you were associate dean of mechanical engineering for a while at the university of alberta and yeah uh, thanks
1: thanks for having me mark i I was the chair of the department of mechanical engineering at the university of alberta from 2012 to 2017 just to get the record straight but Mm -hmm. yeah we've known each other for a while haven't we and I've, i've really um I've really enjoyed hearing your opinions on things, particularly on energy and economics, that have uh, shaped the way I see the world over the last few decades, I'd say, at least since I became a professor.
0: Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about your, you know, your background and academic sure. background. And I know you've dabbled into politics as well, which is pretty interesting. Yeah,
1: actually, um, well, one of the things I was going to talk about Uh, today. And and one of my pet themes is that I really love the idea of a Renaissance man. And I know that often sounds kind of egotistical or something to call yourself a Renaissance man. Everyone's doing it. It's always been a model I've had for myself. I think it's why I became a mechanical engineer. Mm. So um, if I look at what I've done in the last 25 years, um, it's really just been around trying to follow that ideal of of trying to learn things that intrigue me, as opposed to feeling like I have to stay in my one area. So kind of going through the years, I've been an engineer, you know, a teacher and a mentor as a professor. And as you said, I've been a um, federal and provincial politician or a political candidate anyways, uh-huh. um, took a run at being an entertainer. I was a, a television uh, show host on The Nature of Things and a series called Project X, Um also tried being an entrepreneur and inventor that worked quite well. I'm still quite active in the businesses I've started, and right. that's another line. As, as professors at the University of Alberta, we have a lot of latitude in terms of what we can do. So I feel very blessed to be able to be an entrepreneur at the same time I'm, I'm a professor. Um, mm. Got that role as the chair of the department uh, in mechanical engineering. So you know, more leadership and management, uh, that I did there. And, and that kind of led me after that to, um, I took, um, a, uh, Institute of Corporate Directors course in, in board directorship, which got me doing some high-level boards. I was on the board of the directors, of the Alberta Energy Regulator, and I've been on a few other boards since then. I'm, I'm, Actually, on the executive of the Alberta NDP right now, uh, and I'm on the executive of our union of professors at the University of Alberta, so I find um, that really fun, um, and I dabble in music. I play banjo, um, did Iron Man and, and Death Race ultramarathon, stuff like that, and My my latest sort of hobby right now is I'm working on a couple of movies. Me and a friend of mine who's a, <laughs> an actor, we're working on a couple of short movies we're going to film down in LA next month, so that'll be really fun. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things that happens when you try to be somebody who does everything, you do have to be modest about how much you can really become an expert in things. And that's often it's, it's hard to accept when you're a professor, that mm. if, if you're trying to do a lot of different things. Your ability to become like a world leader in something like a lot of my colleagues are are really world leaders in some of their areas of research, and I um, can't say that I am a world leader in a specific area of research. I I do a lot of high level research and publish a lot of papers, but you know you have to really stick with it a long time to be a scientific leader at the vanguard of things so uh Mm. that was one of the things i had to um decide not to be right Right. um but again i think the theme there is that you know i I tell my kids i I have three kids right now and and uh i tell them you know you get your your education and then you decide what to do you don't let your education tell you what you're going to do you know you you become mm-hmm. educated and 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 do what you love after that, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, wh- how about you? Where did you? Uh, where was your education?
0: Oh, three degrees in the University of Alberta. Oh, uh, okay. Economics, minoring in German and music of all things. And, awesome. Uh, yeah, I grew up, you know, speaking German, and then uh, went art started articling with what was Coopers and Lybrand now PwC. It lasted, I think, six months, and I thought auditing is really boring and always loved the outdoors. So went and did a second degree in in forest science also at the University of Alberta. Oh, really? And then um, became a forest economist with the Alberta Forest Service. And uh, then I completed my master's in forest economics in 1991 under Mike Percy, who went on to become Dean of Business. Um, And then taught in the School of Business uh, for 10 years, just one course in, in corporate social responsibility. So were
1: oh. were you a liberal like Mike, Mike Percy or uh, no? I I mean
0: I I would say like I, a big I, L liberal. I mean, I mean I I was there when Mike was driving in his convertible and you know Lawrence Decor and uh, those were kind of heady times. Roger Smith, you know, I knew I knew all those mm-hmm. people. I I did the U of A business plan uh, first one in nineteen ninety nine um, under the V you know the provost and all that. So I got to know you know the, the whole kind of politics of University and uh, even though you know I never finished, never did a PhD, never was a full uh, you know a proper oh, yeah. professor, right? Why would you do
1: that? Exactly. <laughs> now I <laughs> crazy was crazy. I was PhDs. approved.
0: You know, I had been approved in the, to do the PhD in epidemiology under Doctor Collins uh Public Health Sciences, and and uh, and I kind of blinked. I thought, you know what? I mean, I could spend five years. I was used to joke studying the nose hairs of the Mona Lisa. Or I could write a book, and and so, mm-hmm. or you know, teach students about money and you know yeah. the well, the system.
1: The reason I I the yeah. reason I asked is because um I figured you were a Renaissance man too. Actually, I am, uh, I am. and so I I kind of threw that one to you. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's funny, um, Colin. Uh, specifically uh, was one of the biggest uh, doomers I've ever met, but uh, absolutely a really doomed. intelligent guy. And, and, and he really had a lot of insight about uh, issues around, um, you know, the changes happening on our planet. And I remember you came and gave a lot of talks to my students in mechanical engineering about mm-hmm. the economics of happiness. And, and Colin was talking about sustainability and climate change and and it, it, yeah, you really had to be, um, have a, a strong backbone back in those days when we were talking about climate change, because, um, you know, that was seen as um, kind of radical uh, 20 right. years ago. Remember that? Yeah. Well, that, let's, let's key up on that. Like,
0: if, I'm glad you right. mentioned Colin, because like so many other scientists, I found them Falling into a, a state of despair that the world, the, you know, the climate change models predicted the end of everything, and it was almost like, so what's the point of even living, if if you believe the models are absolutely predictive, predictive, then why change your behavior? And when you go watch The Inconvenient Truth, I left that theater, at the Garneau, thinking, I don't know what to do on Monday. I you know I'm I feel stuck because Al Gore said you know, it's the end. It. Of- We're all dead. And, 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 and I, and I I think that, you know, these these are smart, intelligent professors and scientists.
1: And I think if you look at the difference between alarmism and um, science there, you know, as politicians, they probably said to themselves, you know, if we, if we tell this story dryly and and talk about (laughs) what's really happening, that the human race is slowly going to die off uh, because of climate change, everyone will just ignore it. Yes. So we, we have to scare the shit out of them. And, and we've seen that um, used um, more recently with things related to pandemics and, and things like that. And and it is a way to motivate people because fear is very motivating. Mm-hmm. But I do believe there was some story. Wasn't there some story of some kid who saw a wolf coming over and over again and, <laughs> and never came? But, yeah, I remember those you know, fairy tales. The, you know, it, it, it loses its effect if the same tool is used on the same people over and over again. Like in all honesty, I would say that the people who were trying to motivate action on, on climate change had their hearts in the right place because they might have thought it was, you know, at that time, it is still an emergency, but mm-hmm. it's a long emergency. Right. That's and right. so That's right. they may have um, inadvertently um, some things they've tried to do is backfired because now people are saying, well, you guys said you know, New York City was gonna be underwater in 2010, and, and by golly, it's not, or, or, or these sorts of things. And there is a real risk there when people who purport to be scientists um, sort of discard their normal circumspection that they would have as scientists and move towards trying to move public opinion because they feel it is the right thing to do. They've had insight into the climate crisis and have decided, okay, I've got to exaggerate this because no one's actually going to take action if I just dryly tell that the, you know, growth may be coming to an end or, or um, the world is slowly going to dry up and become miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not as um, powerful as we're going to be toast in five years. Right, and we're all going to be driving around in motorboats going down Broadway in New York, right? Yeah, uh, and and so what happens, of course, is it 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 has in this case backfired, but the the climate situation hasn't gone away. That's right. That's the real sad thing that's happening there.
0: So, on that theme, I mean, we talked about we could talk about so many things because we're Renaissance guys, and but you know the theme, you know, try to integrate your work as as an engineer. Uh, My work as an economist and thinking about the theme of resilience is like, so I always ask, well, what are we going to do on Monday? We know the current system is probably going to collapse, you know, the financial matrix as we know it, the debt system after, you know, many years since Bretton Woods. Uh, So the question I'm, I've been posing is how do we engineer a more resilient future? I mean, what, what are the, you know, what are the hopeful signs that, yeah, you know, if we survive, you know, we we can actually architect something more compelling than the current system, which uh, clearly is out of ideas. Uh, It's uh, seems to be just based on fear. And there's, and so where's the hope?
1: Well, there's a couple of themes in there that um, recur a lot in um, climate change talk is a lot of neo-religious astrological thinking that, that places people, you know, and I remember Stephen Hawking talking about similar themes in, in when he talked about grand unifications theorems that that a human is naturally inclined to place themselves at the end of history because they envision their own death and then think well of course after I'm dead the world will be meaningless so it's yeah, yeah. It, it of course makes sense that the world will end at the same time too and and all the young people in the world you know plan on persisting uh, after our deaths, right? And so they're not going to give up. And so the theme of resilience is important. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it has so many different meanings. And I, I feel like, um, you know, for example, when you say the current system, as we know it will collapse, the question is, is it the kind of system where we will know that it is in the process of collapsing while it is collapsing? Or will it only clearly have collapsed in hindsight?
0: Mm-hmm. And, and that's that mm-hmm. um,
1: a system, you know, because we, we have a, a tendency to become inured to negative things, humans do actually have an incredible ability to be resilient and bounce back from negativity. And I, and I have my own really painful and touching story of that, too, which I don't want to delve into too much, but I think that's why I, I um, dug so much into the theme of resilience, that, that positivity is actually uh, an inherent human characteristic. And, and I really enjoyed when, when John Cleese talked about that and when, you know, he, he talked about where, where did humor come from? Right. You know, there's a couple of guys in a cave about to be eaten by a saber tooth tiger. And, and, and they, they have to joke about it because there's nothing else to do. That's right. And, and, and so, you know, this is the, the, the problem that existentialists run into, right. Yeah. You know, when you, um, when you, when you look at the, um, could appear to an existentialist as the meaninglessness, meaninglessness of life, uh, you're, you're driven to humor, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. and to um, to make light of it. Because really, um, you know, it ain't just a river in Egypt, right? Like the denial, <laughs> is, <laughs> denial. is a very um, useful, not only powerful, but useful tool. Unfortunately, we're, we're making too great use of it in the issue around Um, human non-sustainability yeah but our ability to just kind of soldier on and and um yeah i'll try not to diverge too much but i kind of wrote down here i've got three things or three or four things i wrote down about the word resilience because i knew you were going to talk about it so um one of the concepts of resilience and we could go back to the definition which is sort of the ability to recover from difficulty right Mm. the ability to bounce back. And one of the themes that I really, really um, value is the tendency or or the urge to not be helpless. Now, certain people are quite comfortable with feeling helpless. And maybe it's because I, I have a maybe a controlling personality or or I'm I'm very maybe a bit too striving as an individual, but helplessness really bothers me, mm. and and I detest the um, the sense of helplessness you could have if you chose not to know how to respond to um, different likely sets of or circumstances of adversity that you could run into, and there you know there's there's physical circumstance you could run into. Uh, which could be challenging. And then there's intellectual ones where um, challenging information comes to you that everyone appears to believe. And you're faced with a you know the Ionesco's rhinoceros problem where you're looking around and everyone is all believing something that you don't believe. Mm. Do you have the resilience uh, to, to deal with that discomfort, right? The discomfort mm. of being an outlier. Or in the case of um, you know, uh, I'm sure everyone, you know, to use a religious metaphor, when uh Noah's out there tapping away building an ark, <laughs> a lot of his neighbors came by and laughed at him, right? And yeah. and this is what happens to people who um people like me who have a survival kit in their car. Yeah, you're right? a hunter, you're survived. you know how to survive. Yeah, so I, I know I, how to I, survive I have too. and I've used the survival kit in my car so many times. And I don't know how many people have told me, <laughs> wow, it's so handy that you have all of this stuff here. Uh, you know, you pull over, somebody's in trouble. Um, Cause I do do that. You know, you've got yeah. all of the, like, you're driving along on a truck and you, you you have a whole bunch of stuff in your truck and somebody's wiped out on the side of the road. I mean, it is fun also to be able to help somebody, right? Yeah.
0: And yeah. you go, Hey,
1: I've got, I've got what you need to get out of this situation. Um, so, you know, for friends of, um, my kids who go, why does your dad have all those like power <laughs> bars in the trunk of his car or whatever, right? Like, is he nuts? But I, I, I do think that's, that's one thing. And, and I've noticed that, for example, when it became clear in, um, the beginning of 2020 that there was a significant alarming situation happening with the, the um, transmission of COVID-19 in the world, a number of people came to me, you know, what are you going to do? You know, you're that guy who's always ready. Like if this mm. is some terrible, big um, pandemic, what are you going to do as a survivalist? And, yeah. <laughs> well, not so much a survivalist, just somebody just who's, what? who's just... got stores of food in his home. I, I've got all the stuff. I need to fix stuff myself. Yeah, uh, yeah i got a yeah. generator i got all that stuff right um and i usually would say well what are you gonna do right i already kind of have my shit figured out yeah right H- have yeah. you got a plan like uh well i'm just gonna wait until somebody tells me what to do right and and uh i have i do have an experience um do you remember when in the mid 90s when there was that big ice storm in eastern ontario yeah yeah
0: um yeah, the Montreal ice you storm. know
1: yeah, well, I was living in Kingston at the time, and that, that ice storm extended to Kingston. It hit really hard around Cornwall and Brockville, um, and it, was, it only lasted about five days, but that was really eye-opening to see how people respond really stupidly to a pretty not-so-challenging emergency, right mm-hmm. so it was you know the the power was out everywhere and it was really hard to walk around because the ice was so slippery everywhere right so there's a lot of down power lines and it's pitch black right mm-hmm. and um first of all I, I you know the thing that really um struck me was right away there's all these down power lines sitting in in wet you know puddles and stuff all over the place and there was just people all over the place kind of poking around uh these, you know, 10,000 volt wires that are laying around on the ground and stuff like that. It was the first thing that everyone's just kind of out um, thinking it's a short-term situation and it might be fun, right? Mm. And, um, you know, or out driving around when it's pitch black in the city and the roads are, are like polished gloss ice, right? Mm. Um, you know, and at that time, it might've been a good idea to just double check. You got enough food and And maybe walk to the store and get some stuff and come back right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but what really surprised me is um, how people progressively um, just kept on assuming that the that someone else was going to come and unclog the toilet Mm. or get the electricity going you know it's freezing outside and people are in their homes and the the food in their freezers is going bad and they don't think to put it out on the, the balcony or on the front step where it's cold. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people bringing their barbecues into their kitchen and getting killed uh, from the fumes right. or, or running um, a generator in, in indoors and getting killed. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: that that's very sad, of course, and, and not to be laughed at, but some people passed away for that very reason. Wow. And, and it, there's just a, um, a surprising lack of resourcefulness in a lot of people. Um, in a pretty modest, you know, it's four or five days without yeah, power. Yeah, yeah. Um, so not the end of the world, right? And and now I think of people like from my grandparents' generation. Think, wow, they were tough, right? Oh yeah, uh, they were. They were. They were so tough. Um, and and just hearing stories. I had, I've only had a very few number of interactions with my grandfather who fought in World War II, and um, just the way he described it um, was just so different. I'm not saying everyone should have experienced World War II to know <laughs> the world, but, yeah. but um, you know, we are actually gifted with a, quite a bit of resourcefulness as a species, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe, uh, I don't know if it's just um, indolence or or lack of interest that we've kind of decided we don't need to know how to get ourselves out of just minor trouble. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, you call AME and I, you know, I had a flat tire a couple of weeks ago and I was fixing it and the guy pulled over and says, what are you doing there? Fixing your flat tire.
0: And (laughs) you know,
1: it's just, well, you know, trying to get on the road again here. Right. And, and, um, you know, what a strange reaction. And he says, well, maybe I should help you. And I said, yeah, that'd be awesome. Right. Uh, but you know, for him, it just seems strange that I was fixing a flat tire, right? Yeah, um, and 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 I guess the um, the sense that things, you know, re- resilience in terms of just readiness to, you know, take care of yourself. Break of, you know, if something at home breaks, and it's not too expensive. Uh, can you fix it, mm. right? And 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 it, um, I guess, as a as a mechanical engineer, I've always. Uh, had trouble with the strategy of marketing products where you make things impossible to fix, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it is, of course, a strategy, and everybody knows that. And and we know that uh, the right to repair movement is is gaining some momentum, but it can't get the backing of politicians because lobbying, right? Yeah. Of, you know, uh, companies that just want to sell you something where you simply, you're actually voiding the warranty if you try to fix it. Yes, and, and everything's yes, yes. kind of riveted or, or glued in place, nothing's screwed in place. And, and, you know, good machines, good mechanical engineering design mm-hmm. involves devices that um, are readily maintained. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. You know, you
1: open it up and you put the grease, you don't throw your wheel away when you need um, a new tire. Mm-hmm. Right. You take the tire off, you just replace the tire. Yeah. Um, so many electronics products now are um, impossible uh, to repair. So, so if you want to be a resilient person and have stuff that you can repair, you kind of have to buy old stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and you have some of these antiques around in my basement, right. Stuff that I know how to work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually the, the, The one the one thing that they've recently invented, which I think is going to be easier to fix than current technology, has been electric cars. Electric cars are a lot simpler than mechanical cars, but generally speaking, most new technologies got more complicated. Yeah. Right. Um and yeah, that's kind of, you know, leads to the other the other part of I think resilience is is about um again, thinking about my grandpa how you deal with uh loss and Mm. whether or not um you know his experience uh which was very terrifying in grizzly um Mm. in italy Mm -hmm. um didn't destroy his life right like i Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. i i interacted with him and, and of course he didn't want to tell me all about the war but uh he was able to carry on a normal life. Now, some, some of my relatives um, from the Maritimes, when they came back, uh, couldn't carry on a normal life after right. being in World War II. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that that's um, a property which I highly value. Um, and it, it comes from deciding to be thankful, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and deciding, yeah, deciding to be thankful as opposed to um, a very magnetic temptation we have that we got from our childhood that the best thing to do when you're in distress is to try to get attention mm. it's a very effective strategy when you're a child, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, to to get your mummy to come and, and um, notice. Yeah,
0: yeah, right? yeah, yeah.
1: And when you're, um, no, I lost a son in 2017, and and when you. Mm. Um, you're drawn by the the very dark um, kind of sucking power of negativity. Uh, it, it's really tempting to wallow uh, in negativity because you just instantly get attention for it.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Right? We're, we're conditioned, it, yeah,
1: yeah, and 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 it and it's so so powerful that you have to. Um, Really, kind of decide like so many things psychologically. You have to make a choice. Yes, that you're going to, um, in spite of your instincts, do something different, right, yes. and be yes, resilient, yes. right, right, right. And uh, it's funny. I I know you and I last week. Um, I, I guess I shouldn't talk about what's not on the show. But I know as a guy who um, uh, has is a man of faith like yourself. Uh, you'd find it funny I, I gave a sermon at uh, the church where I, I went for years about thankfulness right it's on, on YouTube you should watch it right uh, but, yeah I, um, I should watch it it's, okay it's, we'll watch it <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's about um, you gotta when, when you don't feel thankful and you actually don't feel good right like you feel shitty yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you have to kind of act like you feel good at first. Mm, mm. And, and I call it the mantras of, of, of um, thankfulness, right. And the mantras of happiness. Sure. Yeah. And, yeah. and because when you feel terrible, um, oddly it's the motions. And I think that's why so many religious um, movements or you know, uh, attempts to find enlightenment and, and um, uh, Nirvana, shall we say mm. for a specific um, religion Um that you repeat things, right, over and over again, uh, because you start, you can actually rewire your brain. Uh, I uh-huh. found
0: uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh.
1: when I when I was just, um, you know, really Sad. burdened, yeah, burdened by like wondering whether I was going to be able to be happy.
0: Like mm. if that
1: was actually possible. Right. Uh, or whether I'd permanently cross the Rubicon into kind of a, a desolate life of, of of sadness. And and you know, the, the you know, there are a lot of times when you're it's like walking by a cliff's edge, right? You're looking down going, wow, that's you know, it's almost a vertigo feeling. Like I could I could jump in that that negativity mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it's just a yawning, sucking negativity, right? Mm. Uh, and to be, I guess I, I found I was fortunate enough with with close relatives and family who supported me. You know, just found a way. Fortunately, to just tell myself over and over again, you have to, you have to kind of go through the mantra of happiness. Wow! And 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 then wow. it just happens, right? I mean, of course, yeah. Really nice people are very helpful too. I mean, obviously, relationships is the foundation that we build so that- much of our mental health on it, right? it is it's all about
0: relationships wow i mean that's a deeply personal story of resilience and i mean losing your son is not you know it's impossible to even say anything other than yeah i just mean to be empath- I, yeah yeah and, I, I, and I
1: don't want to be i'm not i'm not gonna let that happen where you feel sorry for me, right? No, no, that's uh, and, and and I do appreciate if you do, but uh, I'm not fishing no, for I, what I I like, often you know, I often like... get
0: accused of being callous because I'm not appearing sensitive enough to this oh, okay. the pain. And I'm like, no, not not at all. I I am I could be I think I could be perfectly compassionate by saying nothing.
1: Yeah, one of the things I found is that I, I often ask myself. Um, is, is the action of seeking support from friends, on average, going to make everybody happier or sadder? Because, mm-hmm. you know, when you actually share um, extremely um, terrifying things, um, I, I found that it terrified other people <laughs> when you <laughs> yeah, talked about it. Of course. yeah, right? um, And it wasn't really helping. And so going back to that denial thing, I hate to say that. Like, I'm sure but, a, but you know, some, some psychologists would throw me out on the street uh, to say, well, you idiot, you you have to face your problems. Um, okay, well, but do I have to sit there and roll in them? Right? Because, it, you know, the act of saying, okay, I've got to decide to kind of not think about this. Right? Otherwise, it's a trap, right? It-
0: uh, I think, I think you know, if you just, just
1: continuously on. look for some kind of um, closure or all that kind of gobbledygook, right? Well, what, one um, thing one thing I appreciate about you and I and, and
0: some of my other friends is we don't shy away from the, the really difficult issues and questions, you know, yeah, and, thanks. And because the truth, I mean, and it's fair that a lot of people say I, it's too much, it's too complicated. I, you know, if I talk about the money system, which is my, of course... Mantra mm. and my grind, you know, you know, it typically just overwhelms people. They, they, you could just see their brains going. You know, I got enough to think. There's enough on my plate in life to even contemplate what you're talking about. Um, so, but it's, I always find it rewarding to, uh, and I'm actually, I think, probably more predisposed to ADHD and bipolar people because. I like their energy. I like their, you know, I like the 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 rate at which they think. Uh, and yes, when they're flat, then it's, it's sad. But you know, it's um, but dealing with these really difficult big issues of life mm-hmm. are, uh,
1: well. If we go further back and and maybe talk about things that are more in line with what you might talk about more in economics and and I often think about resilience in finances too. And there's a great deal of faith that a lot of people put in a system which they they have this tendency to believe is this permanent thing, you know. Like like I've often mm-hmm. thought of what did somebody growing up in the e- Egyptian Empire think <laughs> where where there had been no change whatsoever for in the entire two thousand years. Yeah, two thousand years. They yeah. just must have thought it was part of the earth, right? That, yeah, that yeah. The Pharaoh was literally a god. Yeah, and yeah. That, that it was an immovable object, right? Well, well, people think that some of the financial things that are really, really new yeah. <laughs> are are just normal um, laws of nature. Yeah. And 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 to to say to somebody, hey, you know, like the money that you have in the bank is just um, really an agreement with you and society that some of the stuff you've done is credited with some, you know, electrons show, you know, moving yeah, yeah. around on a computer chip. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that, that could just as easily not be there. Um, and they go, Oh yeah, come on. Don't, don't talk crazy. That'll never happen. Well, it, yeah, it doesn't uh, happen very often. It's true, yeah. but yeah. it happens often enough that, um, humans would be wise to consider that, you know, it can happen that you go to the bank and there's no money there. Right. That's right. Yeah. A really good friend of mine who a professor in mechanical engineering in in my department uh, lived in, in Belgrade when uh, Canadian F-18s were dropping bombs on them. And, and um, you know, he went through the experience of going to the store and, and finding no food there. Right. Like you go to the store and, there's nothing to buy, and uh, that that's not something many of us can even fathom, right? right? Like my my parents, just you know, were at the end of World War two, uh, like you know, young children in World War II. Mm-hmm. My grandpa obviously lived it and would have seen the depression. To to think, hey, like, don't throw that away. Oh, and my grand. Need that. My Austrian right?
0: grandfather. He mean he would go down the back alleys and. You know, he'd picked, you know, he was, we, we called him a garbage collector, but he goes, why are they throwing away? It's perfectly fixable. And so his garage right. was full of fixable <laughs> That's things. That's the problem. You, know? <laughs> you end up
1: with too much useless stuff, right? <laughs> Just drive through BC, the Okanagan, right? Everyone's right. got everything in their yard, right? Including a few vehicles. And yeah. I found, you know, I have a house out in the country and, and um, it is really easy to accumulate stuff. Yeah. And you really have to say, okay, if I needed that, yeah, it's really cool to not throw stuff away and be resilient. But if I needed that, that thing there, would I think that I had it when the time to use it came back? And if I said, Hey, I own blank would then I know where it is. Mm. I mean, that's, that's the risk of, of being Mm -hmm. a pack rat.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, I know and
1: I, it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do love to throw things away too. Right.
0: Yeah. And just
1: pare things down to the, the, the necessities. Um, so maybe I'm talking uh, both sides of my mouth there, but th- th- there's a balance, I guess. Right. Yeah. 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 So, you know, the, um, that whole business of what might happen to our world, if um, say like what has happened in a number of countries, um, let's say the government, you know, like in Cyprus, they just said, oh, that money you thought was in the bank. The bank needed that, actually. So they took it. Thank uh, you. Yeah. you can yeah. still have 75% of it or you can still have 60%, you know, a bail-in, as yeah. it's called. Yeah. Um, I remember talking to a friend like, you know, what if the banks are doing bail-ins on uh, Canadian debt? My friends didn't even know what it was. Well, like, what if the bank <clears throat> decided to keep that money because they needed it more than you?
0: You know this even worse when my father grew up uh, he remembers being you know a child during the end of the Weimar Republic and oh, yeah. and and the Kaiser said you know bring all your gold coins to save you know the Republic and don't do it and and don't grandma, do it. and grandma was like you know grandfather had a wheelbarrow full of coins right uh, ready to save the and grandma said, no no I'm taking some of those back because you know, who the heck is a Kaiser? <laughs> like we're going to need. Right. So, right, you know, at the case in point, I guess.
1: So do you, um, in, in terms of your financial um, resilience, do you uh, see yourself as somebody who, you know, do you deploy your resources in a number of different places? Like I, I, I try to keep money in different bank accounts. And again, oh, people think I'm insane. Oh, that's such a hassle. You have four different bank accounts. No, you, because you, go, you Well, I just you, do, right. You know, I mean, the
0: maximum, you know, the deposit insurance is only at, at 60,000 or whatever that number is. It's, you know, it seems high, but it's uh, no, I mean, I, I try to, you know, distribute, you know, the, the cash out, but, you know, getting to this question of right now, when we're looking at what's going on in the world, you say, well, you know, I was with my 86 year old dad and, you know, and, what do we talk about? We talk about well, you know, the markets, and but you know, what's going to happen next? And and we laugh because nobody knows. Nobody knows why the Indeed. ruble ruble is what it is, or the yen, or whatever, or what's actually going on in Japan. No one has a clue. Why, why the like? Why the bond market's so hot now? Well, let's well, let's think about this because you just every government issued billions of dollars of COVID debt, and the markets would be glad to take on super safe government debt. So no wonder the bond markets are hot. But then, you you know, again, it's like, well, how do you even ensure the resilience of your own financial uh, wealth and portfolio? You know, do you buy gold? Do you buy silver? Um, You know, I heard this analyst today. Crypto. crypto, It's like, well, I don't, I don't like any of the cryptos personally. I think they're all full of hot air because they're just based on, they're like tulips, tulip bulbs in a way. But uh, then you say, well, if you, how much gold should you hold? And, do you hold the physical? You know, how much silver do you, or or do you just hold it because you're hoarding it in case one day the Canadian U.S. dollar actually is worth nothing, and you're going to need something to buy milk, right? You're gonna, you're still, get, you're gonna have to use. Yeah, well, that. you
1: won't be buying it with your one ounce uh, ounce gold bullion coin. That's at right. That time. I it's say it's a joke. 000, so, yeah, you're you're not going uh, go uh, to go into Seven Eleven.
0: Right, day, but, you're not yeah. going to flash a one ounce coin in Seven Eleven and not get hit over the head you know, yeah. it's just uh, well, what
1: you want are those pre 1950s dimes and nickels, right? Exactly. That's what you're going to want.
0: That's what you want. Yeah.
1: Right. A big sack of those, but those are, that's impossible to get that stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, but, but you know, it's, it's, but what I think what I come to is, and it, it goes to the John Cleese, you know, God must have a great sense if you believe in crater, great sense of humor because it's amazing. We, we have sustained ourselves as long as we have like, we we don't have a clue what's going on. Nobody really understands how the economy works, uh, and and things just seem to, hap, you know, go along. And, and yeah, there's wars and there's you know there's crises and you know there's a pandemic and to your point of resilience and 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 what I've learned from being a forester is the forest is a perfect model of resilience. That's where you know resilience yes. theory comes out of. And I keep asking, well what if we mimic the forest in our economic systems? Or find, what would it, because of a, a forest in Alberta, we know will ecologically, you know, it will suffer a catastrophic change, you know, insects, beetles, fire, uh, because it's a monoculture of lodgepole pine. That's, that's just what will happen. Right. And yeah, uh, I, so, I mean, that, so, so I think that's the on. question I'm asking from an engineering perspective is, or from a design perspective, if we were, because right now I always argue that the debt money system, I heard uh, someone say, it was Yanis Varoufakis, the former finance minister of yes, Greece. Yeah, yeah. He said, it was a great line, he's going to be in the Toronto Film Festival this weekend, four-hour film on him, right? Documentary. And he says, debt uh, debt is to capitalism, what the hell is to Christianity? Inconvenient yeah. but necessary, right? Or something like that. And I'm like, that's, that's brilliant because... Our whole system is based on this debt money that has run away, uh, out of control. No one knows how to put the genie back in the bottle. Everyone, it's like musical chairs. Everyone's waiting for, you know, we played as a kids. When, you know, when's mom gonna pull the sure. needle off and everything goes kaboom or does it because 2008 was supposed to be the time it all went down the toilet, but it didn't.
1: And so- Well, 2008, um... You know, when you look at the entire globe as opposed to uh, what was happening in the West, we had China just taking off, of course, right? Yeah, they were just rocketing off, and and so who who um, consumed or ingested that uh, inflation that was being blasted out uh, that that didn't you know stay home? It went out and around. Um, That's right. And you know, they're at this time of course um the storm clouds over china are not looking very inviting either right and 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 of course um i've always been i've always been enthralled by china for a while i was i was teaching myself chinese and going over there as regularly as i could because i just thought everything was going to swing to china and i needed to be ahead of this right Right. remember about five years ago that that was just looked like that was the it's, call right it's
0: true yeah and, and i and, then, and i went over there too i was senior advisor yeah. to them in in the mid 2000 well early 2000
1: and um, it just seems to me like their own um you know issues around um clearing of debt clearing houses or or liens of debts and and you know multiple hypothecation of 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 pay- financial paper, mostly municipal bonds and stuff like that mm. uh, is, is starting to really, um, the rod is getting quite problematic there. Right. But it, it's what's also resilient about China um, is that they can <laughs> trundle along under circumstances uh, like well, that. Well, I would you know, say they're, like they're putting, locking uh, up their yeah. massive chunks of their population and just kind of, Wow, they're just carrying on. I mean, I certainly don't revere that that um, draconian approach to extreme control of human movement that they've got, but um, it's certainly one way to solve a problem. Well, uh, some, you know, some,
0: one of the senior economists there. He, we were going on a train from Beijing to uh, Chengde, which is where the emperor, Jin, you know, the Great Emperor built the Forbidden City. Would have a summer like. Yeah. retreat, you know, and, and it was an incredible place. And we were in the lineup getting in a queue, right. For the train. And he said to me, he says, you know, sometimes uh, being Chinese is just, you know, it makes you crazy because uh, b- because we're so orderly, like we just, you know, but I said, without that, I said, Oh, I saw, I, you know, I said, yeah, without that, you'd be chaos. Right. I mean, if you were, Less organized. If you were less compliant with authority, right? Um, yeah, there's uh, certain I, things there's something about, about that. the Chinese. Yeah. I've
1: just when I was there, I thought, oh, a lot of these people are really resourceful and almost quite capitalistic. The way they they are resilient in their own system, which is mm. so massive yeah. in these urban places, especially, yes, right? Yes. And and people are problem solving uh, in their own environment yes um, incredible you know, right and often, you, you saw yeah. it it's unbelievable putting stuff together fixing, fixing things replicating um,
0: and, you know that my first flight there was on this flight with these bunch of stewardesses who were going shopping and the woman she she talked my ear off she had a catalog of and she had gone into interior design in Vancouver and so she had a catalog of pictures of lamps and purses and things That within, she said, when I arrive, we'll go immediately to the section of Beijing. And in five days, we'll come back and that all those pieces will be ready for us. I'm like, that's Hmm. unbelievable. The replication Mm -hmm. machine. Yeah. I I often wonder
1: how those little um, vendors out in the street selling, you know, what looks like some t shirts that fell off the truck or something like that, (laughs) how they make a go of it. I know. Right. I just think, how is that person actually feeding their family by what they're doing right now? They're they're selling some lawn chairs and, uh, you know, some Captain America shirts there. And I'm going, is that is that actually going to bring the meal home for these guys uh, tonight? I, I guess it does. Right, it does. Um, it does, yeah. And and so somehow it works, right? Because there's that self-organization. There's there's also and- there's also the
0: you know that because I've been there and you've been there, I've been to Singapore as well and Korea. There's uh, I was talking to a, you know my friend over in Singapore, and he's a merchant. He was a merchant banker all his life, and you know for them it's these keywords like honor, honor in business, and mm. relationships and family, like you know, the first time with did China, you know, you get someone's business card, and you think, oh, I'll be emailing with, with the week, right? No, no, no. That took two or three trips before they even bothered, like having tea with you or, and, and, but family to them was so paramount. And you could see that at the Hutong structures that, you know, the family yep. compounds they, they built. And I mean, a lot of that's been bulldozed now, but, but I think about, you know, what is it that's so resilient about this culture? You know, it's, the stuff that's resilient for us, family, honor and business, you know, honor and relationships. Oh yeah.
1: The, the hutongs now are 50 story high rises, right? Yeah. If you, you know, those gray hutong, you know, yeah. I know the area where you can city lock, you know, you can lock yeah. everybody in with some um, type of uh, <laughs> those, those, like when you go out into the suburbs of those immense cities, it looks like the skyscrapers are growing like grass, right? You just see yeah. them. Like here in Edmonton, where we are right now, you look west, uh, in the west end of town, and there's three buildings out there <laughs> by yeah. West end Okay, and you know you drive from the airport in Beijing, and you'll just see them sort of like wheat chaff, uh, just sort of standing in their numbers, like countless unidentified. Um, Fifty-story um, tenement buildings, like
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and they're 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 all full. They've all got laundry on the on the the balconies and stuff like that. Mm. Wow, yeah, there's no hutongs anymore. They're in there.
0: no they're right? yeah, they're they're hutongs stacked in a you know in a <laughs> like Lego. And, yeah, but but they're not the same. It's not the same, exp- you know, no, cu- no. culture anymore. But I guess the point, and, and maybe just. We could talk forever, but uh, oftentimes I like to end with asking you the question: What you know? What on this theme of resilience? What what gives you, or what engenders hope for you? Given you know, where, oh, sure,
1: yeah. I think I'd like to go back to what I said previously: that humans actually have a reflex to be resilient, mm. and it comes from evolution. And the you know, if the human reflex was just to lay down and mope and and (laughs) you know beaten by the saber-toothed tiger we wouldn't have got this far right Right. only the humans who were resilient were able to survive and pass on their dna to the next generations right and so we we we're simply programmed to survive Mm. and and one of the reflexes i think that we have which we should all not let the current weird situation with Global software monopolies, social media, cell phones, and all this stuff try to supplant what millions of years have taught us is that you need to be around human beings. And when, when things are not working out, you need to find those people who are going to mm. help you make it work out right and, and I do feel I, I know some people have fewer relationships than others and and that is truly sad and I, and I think those people who found themselves in a situation with few relationships would be wise to, to ask themselves why have they have they taken have they invested in a system which um, doesn't invest in the human heart? And and as it tried to replace it with some software packages and stuff like that, that they can make them feel loved by getting little, little you know, red stickers on their like or whatever in in that social media environment. You know, we, we of course we know of what course sustains human beings. Yeah, is yeah. is is relationships. Yeah, and um, I do think that um, in spite of some entrepreneurs trying to make us replace relationships with little sentence fragments and, and little sticky notes and smiles on our, on our photos, um, humans do know what's good for them. Right. And so yeah. they do know that, that the meat and the, the sustained sustaining nourishment of their hearts is the relationships they have with their, their other human beings. And and I and I feel, just in the last little while, I've started sensing that with my colleagues at work and stuff. That hey, you know what we really missed about work was each other, wasn't it? Yeah, right? exactly. You know, each other. Our, our friends. The, you know, and, the, and, and uh, that's I, right. I, I do think that is maybe that's where I'll end with that. We could we could do another meeting sometime soon, but I I, I feel very confident that humans know what is the nourishment they need? And if they're, they're hungry long enough, they will have to go for that food, right. Which is
0: their, their friends and their family. right? That's right. I mean, and and ending on the science of happiness. I mean, that's what the psychologists say. It's not, you know, income and education or maybe 10% of what, you know, adds to our or drives our life satisfaction Uh, at least, 40 to 50 percent is is those relationships right which yes so it's like so why aren't we spending so what was COVID well it was a weird experiment of truncating relationships and the physical relationships we had like not hugging your parents for a year and a half like it, it, it you know the whole thing is well we could go for a long time on that tangent but the whole thing is a, a, an insane social experiment but I think we got we we understood i guess that pain of separation that we are hardwired to connect as as human beings that's we're hard
1: connect hardwired to love yeah and belong um, and right? belong because we are a network yeah we're the network the, the humans are the internet yeah uh, you know the wires and stuff like that are just yeah. kind of you know tools right now but um, thanks for having me you know i, thanks, I Brian. think as you know you know you and i could uh, we could set up a 3 hour conversation we could, well, we could be, be like right now we
0: could be like joe rogan and you know I'd pull out you know the whiskey and be here for three well, hours i but... kind
1: of i kind of look like him now right?
0: I, mean, <laughs> I know you yeah, do. If, if you want i can show you my muscles if, you know, if people you know. actually saw the
1: video <laughs>
0: <laughs> but i'll publish awesome. video one day but thanks brian this is this is
1: fantastic thank you so much i look forward to our next meeting you take care you bet